Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, Brian Robinson. Hello, welcome to podcast number 225. Seems like we were uh, just at this a little while ago, but I guess it's time for a new one already. Joining me around the table is a very special treat for everyone, our senior executive producer, Dave Scrivener. Glad to be here. And our over-the-edge reporter, Greg Carlos. I'm turning my hat backwards as we speak because it is uh, podcast time. (laughs) Road test producer, Kyle Scanlon. Glad to be here. Leaving his hat pointed forward. Yes. Like a square. I am hatless. square. All right, so looks like we got a very special edition here. Lots of high-performance cars to talk about. Uh, lightning round, as usual, and a viewer question. So let's get right to it. Uh, Scriv, you just got back from driving the new Stingray out in Vegas. I went to Vegas and drove the Stingray on the street and the track, and it is not your father's Corvette, and that's a good thing. Um, finally, the mid-engine Corvette comes to life. Um, I think... Regular Corvette owners, or current Corvette owners, will be surprised uh, a little bit about how it handles. May not be enamored with its looks, or the fit to the cockpit. It's a little small. I think they're going for a smaller audience, maybe a younger audience with this. Hmm. But it certainly performs well. I think it's a great basis for new ones to come. The Z06 and the ZR1 will be hell on wheels. This one's great. Needs a little more power. Handling's fine. Love the way it looks personally, but I don't know. Yeah, a lot of the early, uh, like the early show cars or whatever, had like a hybrid powertrain and stuff like that. We got none of that, right? Just straight up, straight up V eight, right behind your head, four hundred ninety five horsepower. Yeah, launch controls, idiot proof. Just hit it and go. Yeah, I saw a lot of videos of people uh, using launch control. Was uh, John kept saying how it was so quiet on the street, and I kind of, I was I mean, curious about. There's some if rumble if you feelings. kick it, you kick the gas. Yeah. It's got some rumble to it. Does it sound like a head, like yeah. a Corvette V8 or is it? It does. Like a, it's not like it's a Beretta GTZ or something. It's you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> well, a shame. Those are pretty cool. <laughs> they had a sound to them. That fake rumble. But it it doesn't look that different than the outgoing Corvette. Is that you know, I saw them side by side at the track. They have a Corvette school and they had a bunch of the old ones parked around. I was like. Which one is that? Oh, it's the new one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had to look at it twice, you know, side by side even. And they're officially done producing the C7 at this point, or are they still? Because I saw there's like 3,500 or so in dealers, or I, I might have gotten that number a little bit wrong. But there's sure a couple thousand left on dealer lots from what I saw a few days ago. Yeah, I think I, there was a press release out not too long ago, like the last C7 rolling mm-hmm. off the line. So, yeah. They're and it goes, you know, it goes, goes pretty well when you kick it. It's kind of what you want in a Corvette. Yeah, but, you know, we're obviously looking forward to a Z06. Oh, yeah, and, that would be uh, the, the ticket, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the interior layout's kind of funny. The the, the, the wall between the driver and passenger, the little <laughs> row of buttons that you have to kind of look at really closely. Yeah, that, Before you learn them, you'll have to be a while figuring out what they do. We yeah. talked about that off cam. It's like I, that came through in one of your GoPro shots where you see you and it's, great for the driver but it's yeah. like, like you said there's literally a wall between you and the passenger I mean, the, the caster can't even see that some of the screens and it's like man, don't touch this man keep your hands over there just shut up yeah, hang on talking, shut up i was talking to our videographer who was with you on the trip when you know, he was telling me about <laughs> sitting in the passenger seat he said it was a really weird experience because everything is so driver oriented and pointed towards the driver he's like you're kind of just strapped in and it's just shut up hang on and you know just sit there don't touch anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> i didn't sit over there at all 
Now they do have three seat options, and the, the most aggressive one being their their, I guess GT3 they call it a sports seat. It didn't fit me at all. I guess my butt's too wide for that. But the <laughs> middle mid grade seat was nice and supportive, very comfortable. I didn't sit in the bottom grade one. I'm glad they have the option yeah. for those who want you know more performance or more comfort or whatever. It looked like they had some interesting color options too, at least yeah. by the B roll that very I saw. Very nice looking so, bronze, yeah. bronzy brown was interesting. I like that color a lot. More of a, a root beer almost. Yeah. Like your NSX orange? Is that what oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Did they um, very vibrant blue? Is the Corvette coming? Um, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, Corvette's coming. <laughs> yeah, the Corvette convertible that is. Is that coming at the same time or is that going to uh, be a later release? I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, they have any for us to drive at this yeah. point. Production on those begins in April. Right. They're already making the the, uh, the hard top. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say a little, little bit afterwards, probably. Starts at sixty grand, which is kind of hard to believe. Yeah, uh, all the ones we tested were eighty five and above. Yeah, that's kind of where eighty. My street car was eighty nine thousand. The one we drove on the street, but, yeah. with the Z fifty one package and the and the. Magnetic ride control it adds up pretty quickly, yeah. but it's worth it. Though, Still, though, I mean, compared to what it's going to be compared competing to against, what yeah. it looks as good as a Ferrari and drives as good as a, almost a Ferrari. And <laughs> <laughs> almost. Yeah. So mission accomplished. Finally mission accomplished. Went to, finally went to mid engine. I think it deserves our car of the year. Yes, I'll leave it at that. All right. <laughs> well, since we've left it, we'll move on to uh, a couple cars we've had uh, down at Roebling, uh, our track we test at in the wintertime. Two, we had uh, recently Dodge Charger Daytona 50th Anniversary and Lexus RCF Track Edition, starting with the Dodge Charger Daytona 50th Anniversary Edition, wide body, super long name. Mm-hmm. Super long, yeah, I had to cut it short here. So uh, this is... Um you know, celebrating the Daytona, uh, f- 501 total will be made of this specific car. Uh, I'm not sure if it all comes in that blue uh, that we had. There are I think they're available. just blue or white and red. Okay. Of course, red, white, or blue. Yeah. Because uh, this is You only get the blue with the Daytona package. Right. But you gotcha. got other colors as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, good-looking vehicle. Uh, the engine's always good. It's got the Hellcat engine, uh, 6.2-liter supercharged V8, 717 horsepower. Just 10 more than normal. Got normal. 10 more with the Daytona version, yes. Yeah, and like you said, wide body. So um, that helps out on the track. You widen the um, the tires a little bit. Um, not to say you can't break it loose because that is pretty much all this car wants That's to all do. all it wants to yep. do, and it's controllable. Yeah, I think that's little around pretty well. That get yeah, you. um, It's fun watching you do it. Uh, (laughs) It uh, yeah, I think that gets lost is how controllable the car is. I mean, there is a ton of power, but that just makes it easier to control. I think, and it seems really well balanced. And because it is a longer four door, I mean, everything just happens Mm -hmm. very predictably. Yeah, I agree. And a straight line, obviously, is just it's a maniac. Oh, it's absolute maniac. And Sounds great coming down the straightaway. Yeah, the wide body just uh, sticks the fenders out a little more, wider wheels, suspension tweaks. Same that you could get on the Challenger before. Now it's on the Charger, and going forward, all Chargers will now be wide bodies. I all guess. Charger Hellcats. All be. Charger. Oh, thank you for the clarification. Will be wide bodies. Not, not all Chargers. Not the V6. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Grocery getter. Rental car. Grocery well, not the... Yeah, it's just another uh, way that uh, Dodge is kind of stretching out this charger. I mean, that, that is just an like, old chassis, but it, you know, it still works. Yeah, yeah. it does. And they I can mean, milk that cow a little longer. Why not? Mm-hmm. Got to give them credit. Just keep putting more power and widen things a little bit. People yeah. still want it. 
Yeah, it was great. As Greg said, it sounds awesome at the track. Like that and the Lambo were like, well, we had a Huracan down there as well. We're absolutely the two best sounding cars yeah, we had. You, you kind of lose a sense of speed too because compared to the other cars we were driving down there, you sit a little bit higher, the seat's a little bit wider. Um, so, I mean, you, you, it sounds like you're going fast. It doesn't feel like it. And then you look down and you're going 160 <laughs> miles per hour before you're hard braking into turn one, which, you know, it held up fairly well for how big the car is. But yeah, eventually brake the brakes do fade. In those cars before at other, other tracks, the Challenger we had, uh, Red Eye, the brakes yeah. went away pretty quickly. I was worried about that, but I had no problems on this time. At the, at the, yeah, pedal got uh, a little bit soft, but that's to be expected, especially when we're hammering it around eight, nine, ten laps in a row. Like to a set of tires in it too. It's pretty yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the other cool thing about Hellcats. It's always been that you can just use any wheel around Even the car. They're all this. Yeah, mm-hmm. so same size around. Seventy-five grand. Go get one while you can. Mm-hmm. Only five hundred one available. Sign me up. Uh, next up, Lexus RCF Track Edition. Uh, RCF had some updates for 19. Uh, this is the 20 version of the Track Edition, the most track-focused yet for an RCF. Uh, any impressions on that? I was pretty surprised how much I enjoyed it because, you know, not to lie, the the RCF that we had here, just to do our regular road testing, I was not very impressed with it. I was and, kind of whelmed by that as well. Yeah, it was just kind of meh. You know, it's kind of the only way I could really describe it. But then, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised as well on the track how how tossable it was and how much grunt it had. Yeah, I got to take Horse it around. Two isn't a lot of horsepower these days, hmm? but it, it it went along pretty well though. Yeah, it moved, and definitely I was doing uh, the quarter miles in it, and you could you could definitely spin the tires for a while on it when you turn traction control off. It definitely it has the power. Yeah, so the track as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they took some weight out of it, which it definitely needed, as a little more power. Um, that five liter V eight is pretty impressive. I mean, uh, it sounds good. It too. sounds great. And there's not too many in this class. Everything's turbo six or you know turbo eight, so it's kind of an outlier in that regard. But mm-hmm. uh, it sounds great. Yeah, I feel like I'm always pleasantly surprised on the track with these RCF and the track dis- edition was, uh, you know, the same way. Uh, my only issue was the brakes were a little bit odd feeling. Like there was no travel whatsoever at first. The point, like my first hard braking into turn one, like the I'm, the pedal felt like it moved only like an inch. And then the braking power was there, but there was just, it was a very odd feeling. Um, you know, eventually I got used to it, but... It always has more grip than I expected it to, and uh, it's like somebody had said before, it seems like there's always power on tap pretty much wherever you are. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's not something that probably a lot of people know much about, but I think they should because it's a nice car. Well, that's, you know, brings up the other question. Grand it ought to be. It's, yeah, it's close to 100 grand. I mean, mm-hmm. how many track cars out there that you could buy for that that would, you would rather have than, than the RCF? Mm, there's probably a few. Yeah. Yeah but not with this much carbon fiber. Well, that's uh, I was just going to point out. <laughs> yeah. Even though it says, and you say tons of carbon fiber, but I actually, I thought it wasn't over the top. I thought it, it looked pretty good when you got in there. And it was comfortable, too. You know, seats hugged you just right. And I, I enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. It was still every bit of Lexus inside. Yeah, and a Lexus owner would uh, feel right at home in there, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it makes me wonder why Toyota felt the need to go to BMW for the Supra. I mean, wouldn't this have made like a pretty awesome Supra with the V eight? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean it kind of gets away from big, what the Supra it? is, but yeah. it was. Uh, Although the last Supra wasn't a small car. No, it yeah, didn't no, make. it wasn't. But, 
anyway, that's just me thinking. I'm sure that's improper thinking as usual. That's why you don't work there. <laughs> All right. Any other uh, further comments on any cars before we move on? I'm good. All right. Lightning round it is. Gosh, this gets so long. All right, for our lightning round, uh, we have the following question. At a recent hearing, the NTSB, which is the National Transportation Safety Board, said that a problem with Tesla's autopilot vision system was among the contributing factors that led to a fatal 2018 crash. The driver was also said to have been playing a game on his phone. Oh, boy. The NTSB called out Tesla and others for ignoring their recommendation to create limits as to where their Level 2 systems can operate. So if we're forced to be on the road with the current semi-autonomous systems, what should be their operating parameters? Who wants to go first? A flashing light on the roof saying, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Playing a game on my phone while planning to drive it. the car. I love it. Yeah. So others can know who you are and mm. where to find you. Yeah, I'm not um, – I have to double-check with Tesla's autopilot system because we haven't driven many Teslas. Um, but I know that uh, things like Cadillac Super Cruise, it forces you to keep your eyes forward. And then if you don't – it, it uh, beeps at you, and same thing with like uh, the BMW your wheels. Does that too. If your hands aren't on the wheels, yeah. So, I think that's absolutely necessary now. I mean, you can't be allowed to just look away for I don't care how good the system is at uh, operating because look what happened. I mean, it it reads things wrong. Lane markings aren't always great on the road, mm-hmm. and things are going to happen. So, I absolutely think there needs to be uh, stricter enforcement as to like you know where these systems can't operate. Kyle? Uh, It's kind of difficult to go after that. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, they they definitely need to fine-tune this um, before they're letting people go out there and give them the false confidence that they can, you know, sit there and play Candy Crush while they're in traffic. It's kind of ridiculous. Do we know that it was Candy Crush? I'm just making an assumption. If there are certain roadways that have sensors embedded that can tell the car, talk to the car, intelligent Mm -hmm. roadways. Super Cruise is that way too, right? Let it work on just those roads. I think Super Cruise only works on... Um, certain highways, ones that they've mapped. And I think because like a year or so ago, or maybe less than that, uh, they just added like a right. bunch of new okay. highways. So, idea. but yeah, something like that should, if we're going to have every country this, road yeah. doesn't get, you know, it gets repaved and the markings aren't there, it should shut down the system. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The road's not good enough for this. Drive the damn car yourself. And then, I mean, again, <laughs> it happens all the time when it even, even, if it's just too bright outside, some of the sensors on the cars will say, yeah, "Can't it's, we're not working right now." Doesn't you can't, you can't change the weather. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. It's going to happen. Bottom line is they're still figuring this stuff out, and we're all the guinea pigs. So, uh, mm-hmm. not sure where it's going from there. But so proceed with caution. That's the name of my debut Keep- album. We're all the guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Let me know. Musical talent. Out. I'm still working on. But. <laughs> Details. All right, let's move on to our viewer question. Oh, nice short one from Jerome. Jerome uh, says, I've been wondering about the accuracy of the average mileage that's posted in the instrument cluster. Anybody have? I think I would trust that these days with the trip computers being smarter than I am generally and everything is mapped out and monitored every microsecond. Yeah. modern cars we um when we do our mileage loops we do old-fashioned math once we fill up the tank and um i'm glad someone does divide <laughs> yeah but I, I always try to compare it to yeah. the, the numbers we have and it's usually it's usually pretty close i feel like the um the in-car ones are always maybe a little optimistic yeah, for sure because they aren't they aren't 
Isn't it more of like an average of an average is what that's doing? Yeah. And then some only go downhill says you're getting 99 miles right. a gallon. I'm like, well, of course, because I'm not using it against. But, <laughs> but they're, cl- I mean, they're within a couple miles per gallon. So I don't think it's way off by any means. There, from what I've experienced, they're all, yeah, within a mile per gallon. There's two, there are two particular brands out there that are usually way optimistic, more so than others. I'm not sure I'll mention them, but that's not. Um, they're always like, you know, two, three, sometimes miles per gallon higher. Mm-hmm. For, they're pretty close for the most part. Yeah, I feel like the furthest off has been right around a gallon for any of the mileage loops that I've done when I do the, the old school math and then look at what the car actually says. So in my experience, it's pretty close. All right. There you go, Jerome. Hope that helps. Anybody have a rant or rave? I've got a rave. Rave. Ooh, that's why I like having you on the podcast. You're always <laughs> so quick to, positive. It's not just me anymore. I was pleasantly surprised. I was driving the Genesis G70 home, and to find on the left shoulder of the passenger seat seat controls to move the car to seat back and forth. It was it was jacked all the way forward when I picked my passenger up, and I was able to put the seat back for them before they got in the car. Ah, uh, yes. Oh. Now I know what I you're like talking that. about. I was confused at first. Yeah, that is, that's a really yeah, nice tool. I was like, tool. wow, what a nice little touch. I had that's to put nice my uh, child seat back there, and it was very useful to slide forward and back. Very good. Kudos to you, Genesis, for that. Thanks. Simple stuff like that. Saving just an makes old man's so back. Mm-hmm. I also uh, I noticed in the Arteon, I drove that, uh, it's, it stays in sport mode when you turn it off and then get back in. I found that very nice. Hey. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Because almost every other car like defaults to normal. You have to get in, press sport, and then proceed. But that one stays right. in sport. I haven't figured out our Macan seats yet. They always go back to some setting that's yeah. way too I'd, short for yeah, me. It's that. linked with the key. you got to go into the settings. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it tries to kill me when I get in there. <laughs> and adjusts the mirrors, too. Take off the kneecaps. Yeah, yeah i got to constantly adjust the mirrors. Anyway, that was a uh, rave that turned into a slight rant. I hope you're uh, okay with that. Controls. All right. Uh, Moving on. I just want to thank uh, Jim Bigwood, our audio engineer, of course, podcast producer Greg Carlos, and podcast creator Bob Mixter. Uh, Be sure to check us out in all the usual places and uh, everywhere on the internets. Thanks for watching Motor Week. You've been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and rockauto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motorweek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station. 